You're listening to the Embrace Church podcast. You're about to hear a message recorded from a live service here in South Dakota. Wherever you're at today, we hope this message encourages you to take a step towards Jesus. Let's jump in. everyone. Hope you guys are doing so very well today. Happy summer to all of you. That might not be official on the calendar just yet, but I am wearing a pink shirt with crabs on it, so it's summer to me. Uh, <laughs> if we've not met before, my name is Travis. I get to be one of our pastors here, and I'm pumped to be in this message series that we're calling Masterpiece, uh, where we're looking at famous paintings and exploring their meanings, because uh, each painting that we are looking at has a message, and our hope is that we would look a little bit deeper uh, to discover how these paintings might connect to our lives, how they might connect to our faith, uh, and how they might connect to us following Jesus. Um, now, I'm not much of a painter myself. I did recently stain my deck, so I'm not not a painter. Uh, but my daughter, PJ, uh, she is quite the artist. In fact, uh, this is a picture of my daughter, PJ, right here, and she's holding one of her latest masterpieces that she colored. She cranks out about a million of these every single week. Um, her and I literally color together every night. Um, and for this particular piece of artwork that she is holding, I'm always trying to encourage her, always trying to be a good dad, let her know she's doing good. I said, hey, babe, I really like this picture that you colored, I think I'm going to bring it to work. And she said, why do you want to bring it to work? And I said, well, because I think it's really beautiful, and I want to show all my friends at work the picture that you colored for me. And she paused, and she said, well, I actually colored that picture for the whole family, so I'm not sure you should bring it to work. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Apparently, she needs no affirmation from her father. Uh, So I didn't get to bring that picture to work, uh, but I did get to bring uh, this painting right here. Now, thankfully, this is the one that we're actually going to be spending our time uh, talking about today. Uh, This particular painting is called The Harvesters, uh, and it is absolutely beautiful. Uh, This painting, The Harvesters, was actually uh, one of six paintings made as a set uh, for this rich Dutch guy in 1565. Um, it's a picture, uh, this, this series is actually meant to portray the different seasons that are experienced throughout the year. And this Dutch guy, kind of cool, he had them all on display next to each other in his dining room. It was probably quite a sight, very beautiful painting. Sadly, they were only on his wall in his dining room for about a year because he actually had to sell all of them to pay his taxes. That's a true story. More money, more problems. Uh, So uh, the artist who painted all of these works was a man named Peter Bruegel the Elder. Peter Bruegel the Elder, kind of a mouthful of a name. He was called the Elder, though, uh, because he had a son by the same name who was also a painter, uh, so he was called the elder of the two Peters. I wonder if Peter Jr. ever let his dad bring one of his pieces of art to work to show his friends. Uh, Probably not. Uh, Now, even though uh, this painting right here, The Harvesters, is one of six paintings, uh, this is by far the most well-known and the most well-regarded, and it's probably because of what the Met said about uh, this painting. So The Harvesters is currently being held at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Uh, This is what they said about the painting. They said the harvesters is the first modern landscape. The artist transported the art world from biblical and classical subjects into everyday people. This masterpiece epitomizes this with its down-to-earth subject matter and tone. So essentially what they're saying is this painting matters because it was one of the first of its kind that wasn't overtly religious. It didn't portray any main biblical figures or God or any classical figure or anything like that. Instead, it was just regular people. And I chose this painting again because it's 
stunning. Like, it is a beautiful painting. It's supposed to be a late, or late summer or early fall, and it's called the harvesters, right? So, of course, there's harvesters in the picture harvesting a wheat. But so much more important than that, and deeper into the painting, what I think this is actually a painting of more than just harvesters is I think it's a painting of you and me. As we look a little bit deeper at the painting, we look at the people. Some of them are working in the field, some of them are resting, some of them are on their lunch break. In the background of the picture, like down the hill in the grass there, some people are playing in the foreground. There's a man passed out under a tree with his pants undone. Okay, if you can't identify with someone in this picture, you're not trying very hard. Okay. This painting is life. This painting is the human condition, the workers, the players, the slackers, the sleepers. This painting is us. It's life, not life as it should be or life as it ought to be, not life better or worse than it should be. Instead, it's just life, real life, and there's beauty in it. The colors, of course, are beautiful. The painting itself is beautiful. The detail is beautiful. But I think the reason why this painting is so well-regarded and has lasted throughout the centuries is because the most beautiful part of it is its subject matter. It's honesty. It's just life. And as I thought about the painting, uh, I have a question for you. As you think about your life, just your regular going about your business life, do you ever feel like you should be doing something different? Do you ever like think about your life and you're like, man, this is just a temporary thing. My real thing is coming. Okay, the thing that I'm actually supposed to be doing, that is coming because this, this cannot be it. Do you ever think about your life and wonder if, it any, if, if any of it even matters? Do you ever wonder if you're making a difference? Do you ever wonder if anybody even notices or cares about the work that you're doing? What about when it comes to God? What do you think God thinks of your life? You know, for me, if I'm being really honest, a part of me always feels like I'm not measuring up when it comes to God. Like I'm not doing what I should be doing. I'm not doing what I'm called to be doing. I always feel like someday I'll be better. One day I'll be doing the thing that God actually made me to do. A couple of weeks ago, I was reading a psalm, and this psalm, it stopped me dead in my tracks. This song, it was written by a guy named David. Uh, David, he was a warrior, he was a king, but maybe the most important thing about David is God said that David was a man after his own heart, meaning that as much as any human ever could, this David, he understood the heart of God. Here's what David said. He said, God is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield and I take refuge in him. Now, again, David is a warrior, right? So he's talking about how mighty God is, how powerful he is, how he's a fortress for David, how he protects him from his enemies, which is really cool, like a really beautiful view of God. But again, what David said next, it moved me in a way that is hard to explain. Here's what David said next. He said, oh Lord, what are human beings that you should notice them? Mere mortals that you should think about them. David said, what are human beings? You should notice them. Some translations say, regard them or consider them. What David is saying is, God, you are so big. You are so mighty. You're so powerful. And yet you think about me? 
Like you consider me, you regard me, a mere mortal just going through life just like everybody else, and yet I am on your radar? It's hard to believe. Again, this painting is the human condition. We work, we play, we rest, we sleep, we pass out under trees with our pants undone, hopefully not very often. And yet God, he considers us. He notices us. He thinks about us. And as I read this psalm, I was struck with this question. What if it all matters to God? Like, what if it all matters to God? Like, just our regular life. Not our fancy, buttoned-up church life. Not our important volunteer work. Not that important project at work. The thing that really, really matters to us. No, the big things and the small things. The working, the playing, the eating, and the sleeping. What if it all mattered to him? Like the tedious stuff. Like filing and doing the laundry. Like getting up in the middle of the night with your kids. Like running yet another errand across town. What if God noticed all of it and it mattered to him? What if we didn't have to perform for God to get his attention? What if we just already had it because we matter to him? Again, our verse, oh Lord. What are human beings that you should notice them, mere mortals that you should think of them? For so many of us, I think that we are bored with our life, so we think God is bored with our life. We think about what we do all week long, and it's somewhere to us between insignificant and neutral, and yet God, he considers it. He considers you. He notices you. He cares about you. And again, maybe there's things that we need to change in our life, but what I learned from this verse, and what hopefully we learn from this verse, is that it all matters to God. And when I read it for the first time, it broke me because I just pictured God considering me. Just caring about me just for being me. Noticing all the little things that I feel like matter to no one, and yet they matter to God. He looks at this beautiful mess of life, the working, the playing, the eating, the sleeping, and it all matters to him. I want to dive a little bit deeper into this painting, go past the people on their lunch break, past the workers in the field, up through the trees, up on the hill just before the water. Uh, There sits a church, kind of hidden in the midst of all of the working and the playing and the eating and the sleeping hidden in the corner here is the church. And when I saw this little hidden church, it made me wonder, God, he considers us. But do we consider him? God, he considers you. But do you consider him? I wonder if our life is like this painting in yet another way. Our work, our play, our rest, our agenda in the foreground and God in the background. And I wonder if it's hard for some of us to believe that our life matters to God because we don't involve God in our life. Now there's reasons for this, of course. Maybe you're like me and you have this false idea that God is just hovering over you judging you, letting you know that you're not measuring up, letting you know that you're not doing the things that you should be doing. 
And I know from experience, this view of God is not helpful. You just end up resenting him. You end up avoiding him because you don't want to deal with the guilt of all of it. So that's one reason that we do this. Maybe for you, God is just so far in the background of your life that you can't even see him anymore. You've got your own priorities, and God isn't one of them. You've got this. It's your work. Where would God even fit in it? It's your house. It's your kids. It's your money, and you've got it all under control. You don't involve God in your life because you don't need him. And I just want to say, neither of these views are worse than the other. They're just both equally tragic because both of these views miss completely the heart of God. I read recently in a book that every single one of us is looking for someone who is looking for us. Everyone is looking for someone who is looking for them. The author gave the example of a baby being born, and they're immediately looking for their mother to comfort them. You see it on a playground when a kid skins their knees and they immediately look for a parent or someone to come and rescue them. You see it in high school when we look for friends and acceptance. We see it as we get older when we're looking for a partner or a spouse. We see it at work when we want to be acknowledged for our achievement. Every single one of us is looking for someone who is looking for us. To notice us, to affirm us, to let us know that we matter, to let us know that we are not alone. And yet our verse says, Oh Lord, what are human beings that you should notice them? Mere mortals that you should Think about them. God, he is looking at you. He notices you. He considers you. But do you consider him? Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, I think that you want to. I know that I want to do everything I can to consider God with my life. And, and I want to know that my life matters. And I want to know that my life matters to God. And I think for many of us, we do too. It's just hard. And so what I want to spend the rest of our time doing is talking about two ways that we can do it, just two quick ways that we can consider God with our life, but also know that our life matters, and our life matters to him. So the first way is this, by taking the advice from a guy named Paul. Here's what Paul said. He said, God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. What Paul is saying is take your everyday, your regular work, and make it holy work. Our work, it starts to matter more when we make our regular work holy work. I'll give you an example of this. Uh, Last week, uh, my dad and my uncle and I built a deck. Okay, lots of deck work for me lately, which is kind of too bad. Um, So we were building this deck. Here's something I learned about building a deck. If you like using a tape measure, you'd love building a deck, okay? Because that's pretty much all you do. You measure the width of the deck. You measure the height of the deck. You measure to make it square. You measure your cuts. You measure the posts. You measure how much money is in your bank account to see if you can pay somebody else to build this stupid deck, okay? (laughs) Lots of measuring. Uh, The other thing I learned about building a deck is that you don't eat or drink when you build a deck, or at least if you're my dad or my uncle, uh, you certainly don't. Uh, They come from a generation where apparently you just work until you die, and that's pretty much (laughs) it. It was so funny. My, my neighbor was next door to us, of course, and he was flipping burgers, and you could just see he was just feeling sorry for us. And he's like, do you guys want a burger or something? Like, you've been working so hard. My dad and my uncle did not look up. 
And I was like, hey, sorry. I went over to my neighbor. Sorry. Like, I don't know. Apparently, like, we don't need food or water to survive anymore. Like, it's something special that happens when you build a deck. It was tedious work. It was hard work. We did it from sunup to sundown with no rest whatsoever. And yet, for some reason, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I think it was because I was thinking about this message the whole time. And as I built this deck, I just pictured God considering me. Just smiling at us as we measured the distance from the house to the third ring of deck boards for the 16th time. Pictured him noticing our trips to the the lumber yard, noticing the constant calculations taking place in our minds. I just pictured him laughing as he was like, why aren't they eating? Like, I sent the neighbor and everything. Like, why aren't they eating anything? (laughs) This was not holy work, except for it was. We were working together. My dad and my uncle helped me when they didn't have to. God gave us perfect weather. God gave us strength and intelligence to complete this whole thing. The regular work became holy work because I was looking for it. I noticed God, and God noticed me, and I just had this sense inside of me that this mattered. The regular work became holy work because I made it holy. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. The second way to consider God with our life and make sure that we know that our life matters and matters to God is this. Pray like it matters to God. Pray like it matters to God. Now, this one may seem simple. I kind of even hesitated to use it because it was so simple. Uh, But this might be the most important way that we can do what we're talking about today. I once heard a pastor say uh, that when I pray, I start to see coincidences. And when I don't pray, I don't see coincidences. When I pray, I start to see coincidences. And when I don't, I don't. Because when we pray, we invite God into the midst of our lives. But maybe more importantly, when we pray, we start to look for the ways that God is moving in our life. When I pray, I start to see coincidences. When I don't, I don't. Last week, our T-Campus pastor, Travis Waltner, he gave a message about the painting, the creation of Adam. Now, each week with our messages, our prayer is that they might connect with someone. That our, that our messages might mean something to someone, that they might, they, might feel, they might feel seen or known with the words that we share. They might feel loved by God in some special way. That is our prayer. Well, this is a post that Travis made uh, after his message last week. He said, I had this guy come up to me after service. He said this was his first time he'd been in a church in a year and a half. He heard the series was on art, which he thought was pretty cool because he had gotten a tattoo on his arm recently of a piece of art. He was a bit overwhelmed when he found out that the message was about the exact piece of art on his arm. When I pray, I start to see coincidences, and when I don't, I don't. You might think this is a coincidence, and yet this is what we pray for every single week. We pray like it matters to God because it does. It does. You can forget everything that I've said to you today. Would you know that you are not just floating through life at random? Okay, you have a God in heaven that notices you, that cares about you, that loves you, that regards you, that considers you. 
We pray every single week that God would use our message, that they would use our service, that they would use us to reach people, to let them know that they are seen, to let them know that they know and that they matter. And because God cares about you, and because you matter to him, he answers these prayers. We pray like it matters to God because it does. I'll leave you with this, and I've I've said this a bit, but my biggest prayer for us today is that we would just believe this stuff. That we would just believe that you matter to God. Okay, we don't have to look very far to be told that we don't measure up in some ways. We don't have to look very hard to see people who are further along than we are. We don't have to look very hard to feel unseen or insignificant. And yet God, he notices you. He considers you. See, we, we look at this painting. God looks at us. He considers you when you get up at, to go to work at 5.30 in the morning when you don't want to. And so our challenge is invite God into it. He's looking at you already. Invite him into the process. He cares about it. God sees you in the fog of young parenting when you're getting up all the time, when you're having to be patient all the time. He sees your work. Invite him into it. Make your regular day-to-day work. Make it holy work by inviting God into it. In the big things and the important things and the hard things and the sad things and the fun things, God cares about all of it. You matter to him. The work that you do all week long, it matters to him. So live like it matters to him because, because what if you were already doing it? Like whatever it is, whatever that thing that you're striving for, whatever it is that you would do that you would actually feel fulfilled by, that would actually be the thing that really matters, what if you were already doing it but you just missed it because you were too busy feeling guilty You're too busy feeling like you're not measuring up. What if God just saw you right now and you allowed him to remind you that what you're doing right now matters, not something in the future, right now? How we do it is we invite God into it. We make the regular work, holy work. We pray like it matters to God because it does. One more time, our verse. Oh Lord, what are human beings that you should notice them? Mere mortals that you Think about them. God thinks about you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for noticing us. Sometimes it feels like nobody notices God, and yet you do. Thank you for considering us. Sometimes it feels like no one considers us, and yet you do. Lord, would you show us how to make our regular, going about our business life, holy? Would you show us the little ways that you are moving and working in our life? Would you help us to identify those things and make our regular work holy work? God, would you teach us to pray? Would you, would you remind us to invite you into the big things and the little things? Will we pray with confidence? Will we pray like we know that it matters to you? Will we know that it does matter to you? God, you are so good. You are so kind to us. God, I pray we would go about our lives with purpose and meaning because, God, you've given us so much meaning. We pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks so much for tuning in today. If today's message encouraged you or if there's someone who comes to mind that you think might need to hear today's message, take a moment now to share it with them. 